What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. Time for our news roundup this week. Lots of stuff to cover. We got uh, Russia leaning a little bit more into Bitcoin and quote unquote crypto. Uh, we've got the White House uh, poo pooing the whole idea. I mean, uh, they said some positive stuff, but uh, they have a report that uh, came out uh, just today i think um we got some stuff from the sec we got pooling we got we got a whole bunch of stuff to cover we've got uh and obviously nico is here uh from simply bitcoin to take us through a lot of the goings on give us a good summary of what's been what's been up uh so plenty of stuff to talk about today uh so stay tuned here of course this is live anything can happen so i defer to my friend bill here we'll do it live okay we'll do it live fuck it do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! And thing sucks! If you have not already, please do like, subscribe, share. All those things, super important. They help get more eyeballs on this content. Uh, I am Ben with the BTC Sessions. This is your daily session. Before we dive into the news, let's take a look at where we are in the market right now. This is the Bitbo.io dashboard. Uh, we're sitting at $19,311 per coin. A single US dollar will pick you up 5,179 sats. 91.17% of all Bitcoin have been mined. And in terms of fees, oh, little dip there two sats per byte for the next block if you're willing to wait any amount of time one sat per byte should do you just fine shout out to sponsor of the show coinkite.com love these guys best hardware in the game i love my mark for so good for just keeping your sats ice cold uh you got the open dime i've been dropping these for little scavenger hunts in cities i've been visiting the block clock a staple for every bitcoiner's bookshelf uh all kinds of great stuff and more recently the tap signer and sats cards you got to check them out coinkite.com use code btc sessions for five percent off everything in the store shakepay.com if you're in canada easy ways to be stacking more sats you can e-transfer in and out with no deposit or withdrawal fees including withdrawing your bitcoin to your own self-custody as you should be doing uh there's a thin spread as well if you sign up with the link down below you get 30 bucks for free after your first hundred dollar purchase you get 30 bucks for free also every time you refer somebody via your own referral link and uh you can do that for friends and family and every time they purchase their first hundred bucks same deal you get 30 bucks you shake your phone every single day for free sats sats back visa card all kinds of crazy stuff coming out of shake pay check them out shakepay.com link is down below if you do want that 30 bucks Ledin.io, you can use your bitcoin for a ton of different stuff uh, these guys are super helpful for me whenever i'm in a a uh, bit of a cash flow issue. I need dollars, but I don't want to sell certain Bitcoin because that can be a taxable event. Or maybe I'm just worried about having to buy back in later at a higher price. Well, here I can deposit Bitcoin, get a loan of dollars to my bank account within 24 hours, pay back those dollars, get back the same amount of Bitcoin. They also have savings accounts for Bitcoin and USDC with quarterly audits from a third party, which you can cryptographically verify that your holdings were included in those audits uh so you don't get jerked around celsius style they also have their b2x offering 
Bitcoin-backed mortgages across Canada and soon in some U.S. states. Check them out. Start.leden.io slash BTC Sessions. I live on Bitcoin. BitRefill helps a ton. I can get all my gift cards that I need for things like gas and groceries and all that. And I earn sats back as I shop. You can get some more sats back with the referral program. You can do things like top up your phone, top up lightning channels. And if you're in the U.S., you can pay bills and get on that Bitcoin standard. So again, check them out. BitRefill. Dot com. There's a link down below. And finally, if you're backing up any important Bitcoin wallet, get it in solid steel. Friends, you don't want to deal with paper, fire damage, water damage, all those things you have to worry about when you have a piece of paper sitting around the office with important information on it. Solid steel is the way to go. This is how I'm backing up my important stuff. So check them out, privacypros.io slash BTC sessions, and you can get a little deal on your bill throttle. Uh, before we bring in Nico, of course, shout outs here really quick. Um, had a bunch from the past week so just i'll quickly scroll through here thank you guys for the the boosters those are always huge uh and helpful so uh keep up the good work from fly 54 uh joey bullish on in internationally growing bends more bends and friends surfing bitcoin og tutorialer and hashtag the original golden streak i like that uh wait sailing away this is the future Thanks, man. Uh, then they fight you. The new segment with Nico shows you that Bitcoin is winning. I will be watching Ben's news vids on YouTube. Keep stacking. Thanks, man, from JPC. Make sure you subscribe to Simply Bitcoin as well. Uh, who else? Boost or shot. Thank you, Cryosats, for the booster shot. Uh, let's fucking go from Norman Remnant. Uh, good job, guys, from Robert. Pacific Northwest. Thanks, Ben. I've learned so much from you and continue to do so keep it up appreciate you ben do me a favor tell ronaldo uh the idad dude i love him fuck craig wrong we're all hodlinot thanks buddy from zyka boy uh do it live from t-ball ice cold baby from cryosats again uh fix the money fix the world thanks guys fix the family fix society thank you chris uh from chris betcher who is on uh, just recently from JPC, another booster shot, a few bulls. I'm bullish too. Bitcoin grandma. I love that Bitcoin grandma's on here. Michael Madeloff. Thank you, dude. And uh, Al, Al Cool Joy. Al Cool Joy. Great episode. Thanks, man. Second breakfast. Great talk. I can relate to Chris's feeling of isolation. Seems like everyone is more concerned with their favorite sports team is doing rather than learning new skills and maintaining good health. And the dad bod. I like that. And then uh, Joey, one more time. BTC Sessions, Ben for leader of the council. Ben's unfungible. The one and only golden streak, golden heart. <laughs> That's great. All Ben's are equal, man. All Ben's, they all have a special place in my heart. Anyways, enough of this ranting. We need to get in exactly what you guys came here for. So let's bring in Nico. Dude, it's good to see you, man. Yo, happy to be on BTC Sessions. It's always a great time. Yeah, Simply Sessions. There you go. <laughs> Simply Sessions. Well, you flipped it right on me, bro. Yeah. <laughs> the background wasn't pulled up yet. Dude, yeah, uh, how you been? Here. Good, bro. Good, bro. Another week making Bitcoin content. Yeah. What well, couldn't be better than that? Yeah, yeah. You got to love it. The the And I mean, making Bitcoin content consistently and self-sustainably in bear markets mm -hmm. is a beautiful thing to see. It it's, is. Uh, it is. It is. It's definitely. I, I, Go yeah, ahead. Sorry. I love it, man. Um, well, let's let's chat. What's been going on? I'll I'll bring up uh, your feed here. But uh, what's been top of mind, man? What has been happening this week? 
Yeah, man. Continuation, Ben, this is a recurring theme that we've been covering for the last couple of weeks, bro. The continuation of, in this particular, I, I'm going to make the case that it's the continuation of the separation of money and state. And also, the U.S. dollar is losing its place as global reserve currency and because they weaponized it they they mm -hmm. weaponized the dollar they used it to go after washington's political opponents and you know basic game theory obviously they're going to look they're going to seek alternatives whatever those alternatives are right so this is bank of russia bank of russia agrees to legalize bitcoin or crypto for cross-border payments last week when we reported on the show it was iran that said the same thing and then it was a russian minister he hinted that Russia was going to do it, but this is actually them admitting to it. Um, and it's kind of a big deal. This is the Bank of Russia, the country's central bank, has reportedly admitted that cross-border payments in crypto are inevitable in the current geopolitical conditions. The Bank of Russia was the largest opponent of Bitcoin in Russia, right? They specifically said they don't want that, right? Anyways, it goes on to say the deputy finance minister, Mosiev, reported, said, reportedly said that the Bank of Russia and the finance ministry expected to legitimize cross-border payments in crypto soon. Mosiev outlined the importance of enabling local crypto services in Russia. Why are they all saying this? It is necessary to do this in Russia, involving entities super, uh, supervised by the central bank, which are obliged to comply with anti-money laundering, anti laundering and know your customer requirements. And the reason the article goes on to say that they want to do this, Ben, is because they need an alternative to facilitate cross-border transactions. And they imply that's because of U.S. sanctions, right? So the two countries that are on the U.S. government sanction list, Iran and Russia, are seeking viable alternatives. And I'll make the case that it's not crypto. It's Bitcoin. What country is going to want to use crypto if the devs of that crypto project could manipulate the monetary policy, whether is it inflate it, fork it, et cetera, et cetera. They know if they use Bitcoin, they're safe there, right? Yeah. So what we always say, Ben, Bitcoin is the money of enemies. Yeah. Well, and the, the, uh, and to your point, um, not only just the, if it can be manipulated and debased and everything like that, but I mean, look at what happened with the whole tornado cash thing. They're literally sanctioning specific, uh, uh anybody that dealt with tornado cash, they can, because it's an account based system, it's very easy to be like, well, sanction that. And not only that, but, um, centralization of node runners um, and proof of stake centralization of stakers, which is inherently baked into that system um, is very easy to then begin to censor transactions. And so why would two countries that are trying to escape a system that allows for censorship of transactions turn to a system that it's very clear is equally prone to censor transactions or there's that government creep that's basically infiltrating that system. So, um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> the people that have the least to lose are the ones that are going to go to the, the freest systems first. Right. And that's what we see. That's what we see here. 100%. And it's like water, man. They're just going to flow to something that the, the least resistible path and, 
it's just a matter of time before they wake up to Bitcoin as a as a viable alternative. It looks like it's happening. And I'm going to refer to this awesome article that Alex Gladstein wrote back in the day. And he basically was making the argument that Bitcoin is the Trojan horse for freedom and dictatorships are going to try to separate the freedom enabling technology from the anti-censorship, anti-debasement technology but they're inextricable, right? Once they take that pill and the people of Russia figure out, hey, wait a second, why exactly should I hold on to the ruble? So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be interesting. And these are just, again, like we're seeing this and because we're kind of entrenched in this and, and we're looking at this type of stuff every single day, but the, the world at large doesn't truly know what's going on with this stuff yet. Um, it, you know, your, your everyday normie friends, you know, assuming Bitcoiners still have those, <laughs> but, uh, probably a few severed ties there for the past couple of years, but, uh, but nonetheless, it will eventually hit the mainstream, probably at first in a negative light. Um, and so I think we're in for, uh, a, a lot of pushback on a lot of this in particular, because it's so easy to manipulate, the the thoughts of individuals if you just sit them in front of cnn or something mm -hmm. but uh uh but in the end um i i think it'll just be inevitable that right now yes it's it's the 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 pariah states that gravitate towards it because they have no other option but sooner or later it's going to be the everyday joe that goes holy crap they're printing how many more trillions mm -hmm. um i you know i I understand it's volatile, but I can I can now begin to zoom out and realize what's happening. So absolutely, we shall see. But so let's as a little segue here. It's it's interesting to see, um, you know, Russia, Iran, others saying, "Huh, this could be useful." And then you know, closer to home, we have something else going on, don't we? Yes, we do, and I'm glad that. Um... I'm glad that you I'm glad that you did that segment. I mean, that segue, because that's exactly what's happening. And connect the dots, everybody. Coincidentally, all these reports. Right. And I actually have a tweet of the things that have happened. Right. Um, all in the last months, Michael Saylor and MicroStrategy sued for tax fraud. White House report banned Bitcoin mining. Open source software sanctioned by the U.S. Treasury. Now, what are you are you trying to tell me that has nothing to do with this? Nothing. Right. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, man. So let's check this out, Ben. Uh, the name of the report, very ominous, right? Climate and energy implications of crypto assets in the United States. Now, to be fair, okay, because I'm a little bit, I'm, I would call myself a little bit more militant, a little bit not as optimistic, but I am going to read a text from David from the uh, Bitcoin Policy Institute because I wanted to get his take, right? It's good to get everybody's takes, not just Nico Jones. Mm -hmm says the OSTP report is more or less positive for Bitcoin. Contrary to popular fee fear, the OSTP did not call for a ban of on proof of work, though the report demonstrated some misunderstandings. It acknowledged the benefits Bitcoin mining can have in terms of renewables and flared waste method and acknowledged that less energy intensive cons consensus mechanisms like proof of stake come with real trade-offs. Bitcoin Policy Institute will continue to educate policymakers on the benefits of Bitcoin and combat false narratives about mining's environmental impact. Now, I get it. Playing politics, Bitcoin Policy Institute is the lobbying arm of Bitcoin in Washington, D.C., right? They they launched after 
Coin Center, even though I love the guys, Brito, good dudes, they do a great job. But the infrastructure bill kind of woke up a lot of Bitcoiners and made them realize, hey, perhaps all of our incentives don't align with Coin Center because they kind of protect the crypto industry at large. We need our own lobbying effort. And that's when Bitcoin Policy Institute was launched, right? So I think they're playing a little bit of politics. Um, check this out, Ben. I would love to get your opinion. This is... Um, a screenshot by the White House and it's of the report. And here's the paragraph that had everybody freaking out, right? Should these measures and, you know, they're calling to regulate it to, you know, do reports on them. But the question that I have to you, Ben, is are there reports on video game usage? Are there reports on washing machine usage? Are there report on hairdryer usage? Why is it only Bitcoin mining? Yeah. Maybe, maybe again, you know, perhaps Nico's a little bit Alex Jonesy. Perhaps it has to do with this, maybe. Um, anyways, uh, Ben, this is what it said. Should these measures prove ineffective at reducing impacts, the administration should explore executive actions and Congress might consider legislation to limit or eliminate the use of high energy intensity consensus mechanisms for crypto asset mining. In the same report, coincidentally, you know what they advocated for, Ben? Proof of stake. So... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, man. Of course, of course, it's it's uh, it's so infuriating seeing uh, paragraphs like this, and then and and effectively, this is just a a a governance mechanism to ensure kind of like the sanctity of of uh, basically the timing of transactions and and uh, a, a reasonable assurance that your transaction is set in stone and cannot be reversed. Um, and there's no comparison to legacy finance and the energy used there. Like if you're going to start moralizing energy use, then then shouldn't there be a like an apples to apples comparison, right? Shouldn't they be turning the question on themselves as well? Like, it, you know, I, I don't like the idea of moralizing energy use in the first place. I think if you don't like how somebody else is using energy, then then produce some of your own or pay more to use that energy for something else. Um, but besides the fact, there's there's none of the self reflection of well, how how does our monetary system currently work, and how much energy goes into securing that? Um, there's none of that. There's there's not a single and and again, all of the assumptions and I feel like a broken fucking record here, but like all of the assumptions are it's a, it's a linear path of of energy use that it, it'll just be because it's going up this much per transaction, which is a bunk metric anyways, it's going to go like that forever. Despite the fact it's been completely disproven in the report that said that Bitcoin would consume all of the world's energy by 2020, two years mm -hmm. ago. And it's like point, it's a fraction of a percentage of the world's energy use, of which most of it is waste. It's just it's tiring. It's infuriating. It's all of the things. And it's just I mean, kudos to the people at the Bitcoin Policy Institute that are are trying to educate people and there are politicians that are 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 getting themselves educated and are advocates and everything i'm not going to put my faith in politicians you know i'm i'm glad that some people are playing that game too so that at least we're kind of 
going at, at it at, on two fronts. But really, the only thing that can be done here, in my opinion, is just build things that they can't shut down. That, you know, become, uh, uh, become what would a, a basically, una- I mean, Bitcoin is unaware of the state. Right. It doesn't it doesn't care about this report. It continues pumping out a block every 10 minutes and will continue to do so even if this report results in legislation. So, yeah, 100 um, percent. It's about building a parallel economy. Right. And I think mm-hmm. that's really what it is rather than, you know, rather than uh, stopping the great reset. It's about opting out of the reset. Right. I think that's basically the message here anyways moving on to this ben i actually wanted to share a video because i want to put two and two together this is gary gensler and he said some things about uh you know security tokens being uh altcoins and and whatnot if i may Mm -hmm. okay awesome here we go here i'll pull it up here one sec going to make a lot of progress on the CFTC side, which is going to affect more Bitcoiners than, say, altcoins. Altcoins are going to all end up over at the SEC and have to struggle with the higher level of scrutiny associated with consumer protection that the, and disclosures that the SEC is really good at. Uh, so, you, you know, it's, it's easier to talk to Bitcoin people than some of the other uh, cryptocurrencies about this because your complete decentralization status is something that federal regulators understand. So, yeah. So, and that was Cynthia Lummis last week and she is, and I, and they're having conversations about this, Ben, because this is exactly what Gary Gensler came out to say on the Wall Street Journal. Now, there is a negative part about this. I'll get to it in a second. Anyways, the article says Securities and Exchange Commission Chairman Gary Gensler signaled that he would support Congress handling handing more authority to the SEC's sister markets regulator to oversee certain cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin. Mr. Gensler, speaking at an industry conference on Thursday, he looked forward to working with Congress to give the Commodity Futures Trading Commission added power to the extent the agency needs greater authority to oversee and regulate non-security tokens and the related intermediate Leaders of the Senate Agriculture Committee, and here's where I want to get your thoughts, Ben, which oversee the CFTC, are pinching legislation that would assign oversight of the two largest cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin and Ether. Right. Mm. So there's clearly political pressure trying to get uh, everyone sees the writings on the wall. Most most altcoins are going to be labeled securities. You heard it from Cynthia Lummis, and now you're hearing it from Gary Gensler. Right. And it goes on to say the SEC has declined for years to assert jurisdiction over Bitcoin and Ether, which proponents say are more decentralized than other cryptocurrencies. Mr. Gensler. Now, this is curious because they they keep adding Ether into this into this mix. But Gensler says this. Mr. Gensler noted that Thursday that Bitcoin is often likened to a digital form of gold and that it doesn't bear all of the characteristics of security. I don't see Ethereum when they quote him. Mm -hmm. Right. So. Yeah, man. And and if you kind of connect this with what Cynthia Lummis said, it looks like, in my opinion, which is why Coinbase is trying to fight this so hard, they are going to regulate altcoins like securities, the only one that might be spared. And I suspect it's because they've commu- they've accumulated a tremendous amount of political leverage is Ethereum. 
-hmm. which means that the big competition between the two in the future is going to be Bitcoin versus ETH. And the yeah. ETH guys are going to throw anything they can at Bitcoin, and that includes the environmental attacks. Yeah. Which is why, suspiciously, they advocate, the White House is advocating for proof of stake. Yeah. Look at that. Well, I mean, look at look at the trajectory and and the the control um, that you've seen throughout Ethereum's history, right? Like seventy percent pre mine, um, you know, huge swaths of that uh, for the Ethereum Foundation. Um, nobody runs a node. Everything is super centralized. They can turn on a dime. Um, they put off the, the difficulty bomb so many more times than I can count. Many, there's been even instances of them forgetting to do so and then having to hard fork it for two times within a couple weeks. Um, and now look at the, the, the inherent censorship that's going to be happening as they move to proof of stake um given the government pressure they're positioning themselves to be the state friendly option mm -hmm. right it's it's their proof of stake we have proof of stake as our current system they're just weaseling into it by being more of the same and they're they're you know bitcoin got to its position because it's it's unregulatable in that sense in terms of you can't shut it down. There's nobody to point to and say, oh, there's, yeah, this this is a security and so on and so forth. Ethereum's, if it ekes out that win, it's because they've joined the good old boys club, right? They've become the system. And you better believe they're gunning to have CBDCs built on top of mm -hmm. it. Everything, it's going to, it, it it's, when you've been championing for decentralization and espousing things like a world computer and ultrasound money and all of this other bullshit that they say, and then you're excited that you're basically becoming an apparatus of the state. It says a lot about how, how truthful you were being in those earlier statements. So, um, yeah, I, I I assume that's probably the trajectory that's going to happen. Is they're they're going to possibly eke out a favorable uh, bit of legislation in that they're they're not considered a security, even though it was obviously like and we've all seen the video of of Vitalik and them talking about like, well, we're gonna the initial price will be this. And uh, we'll do a pre-sale for people and X amount is going to go towards this. And, and why would you buy some now? Well, you, based on this and based on the marketing team we have in place, well, you know, you might buy some now and, and hope that due to our efforts and uh, the building of the system, it will go up in value over time. <laughs> an, an expectation of profit based on the work of others. <laughs> Dude. And you, Ben, you hit the nail on the head. This article came out from Zero Hedge, Thursday, September 8th. Ethereum is the most likely base layer for global CBDCs. So, Oof. dude, you absolutely nailed it. Um, yeah, the, it's the, it's going to be an evil alliance. The Ethereum people are going to join with the regulate, join with the state because they want to survive and the state will provide the moat, right? And mm -hmm. the state's going to lie with them because it keeps them relevant. It keeps the party going, right? The the inflation the inflation debasement control party going. 
Yeah. Yep. It's, uh, I, I think the writing's on the wall, uh, for that one. It, I mean, it's, it's funny because if you had gone back a few years, I wouldn't have assumed that one of the final showdowns was going to be uh, state-backed ETH <laughs> versus Bitcoin. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I, I didn't see that one coming a few years ago, uh, but it's pretty clear that it, it's like, oh, yeah, we, we, we need to grow enough and become entrenched enough that the state tolerates us mm -hmm. and incorporates us versus bitcoin basically throwing up throwing up deuces and and being like fuck you we exist yep <laughs> it's uh it's definitely gonna be a hell of a fight ben that's that's my two sats bro like these people they, they're man they're, it, it's a competition to be the next global reserve currency and there's a tremendous amount of money that comes with that influence power you know uh all the things that drive humans to do very interesting things i'll leave it at that but um anyways ben next thing huge news pull in one of the largest bitcoin mining pools suspends withdrawals from wallet service pull in wallet the wallet service of one of the world's biggest bitcoin mining pools is suspending all withdrawals as it ties to preserve assets and stabilize liquidity the firm said on monday Poolin plans to pause all withdrawals, flash trades, and internal transfers within Poolin systems starting 2 p.m. on Monday to, in order to preserve assets and stabilize liquidity. Where have we heard that before? It sounds like Celsius, to, <laughs> Celsius pool. Um, now, Corey pointed something out, which was really interesting. He said, all the way back in February 2021, Poolin was into DeFi yield farming. What, put, what could possibly go wrong? Now, the silver lining in this, and I think this is a, a lesson for everybody, is the beauty of Bitcoin. Poolin at one point had 10 to 11% of the hash rate. A week later, they're literally down to 4.69%. And one of the criticisms that the shitcoiners that were experiencing cognitive dissonance while they were coming to the realization that Ethereum is run by Jeff Bezos, controlled by the US government, one of the attacks that I would say is like, dude, there's only a handful of mining pools. Miners do that out of convenience because they want profit stability. It does not represent that that mining pool owns all of that hash rate. And what is happening with Poolin is a prime example of that. Miners are going to redirect their hash rate to a better pool. And now kind of connect this with what happens when the U.S. government inevitably starts asking American mining pools to censor like they already did with Marathon. You know what miners are going to do? They're going to switch over pools. Why? Because the so-called blacklisted TXs, you know what they're going to do? They're going to pay more in transaction fees, mm -hmm. right? So then it starts becoming more economical to go to a pool that's not censoring transactions, right? But just, again, to reiterate, just because Foundry USA has 27% of the hash rate or Ample has 18% of the hash rate does not represent that they own all of that hash rate. They probably own a fraction of that. And the reason people pull together their mining resources is because they want profit stability. If you're mining yourself and you have 100, you know, 100 terahashes, <laughs> you're never going to find anything. So what are you going to do? You're going to pull together your resources and dude, this is Bitcoin doing its thing. What doesn't kill the honey badger makes it stronger. A hundred percent. I love that you're using mempool.space's new lightning uh, dashboard. <laughs> I think that's fantastic. I love it, man. That's great. Um, 
I, I I'm gonna draw a, a perfect um, a perfect comparison here in that migration of hash rate away from pooling. Your example of well, what happens if they crack down on the U.S. mining pools? They'll just move. I mean, we learned this lesson that mining pools don't own the hash long ago. Mm -hmm. uh, m many people may not have been around then, but um, there was a mining pool called ghash.io and they got above briefly 51% of the hash rate at one time. And everybody's freaking out going, oh my God, they're going to, you know, th there's, they could exert a 51% attack on the network if this is sustained. And independent miners that had been pointing at ghash were like, all right, fuck that. We'll, we'll redirect. And literally they, they eked above 51% and then dropped a ton because people were like, okay, other pools. And they just moved the hash rate because it was too great a risk to just have that sitting there. So again, um, exactly to your point, uh, miners are, uh, are, are not beholden to the, uh, the pools that they point their hash to, and they can independently decide to point to any pool that they see fit. Unfortunate about, uh, about people that may have had, uh, some sat stuck in there. Is there, in your opinion, what would be some good alternatives given what's happening with Poolin? Uh, if somebody was maybe mining with Poolin, uh, you know, do, do you have a, a favorite pool that you think people might redirect to? Yeah, slush is amazing. I know the guys at Lux are awesome guys. Uh, mm -hmm. F2 pool is also good, but I would really recommend slush. Slush is great. Uh, they're all pretty good. Foundry USA doesn't allow you unless you're like a big industrial miner. Mm -hmm. Ant pool, I've used them for quite a while because of Bitmain, but it's also Bitmain. Yeah. So yeah, I would really recommend slush is great f2 pool is great luxor i love the guys at luxor as well those 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 would be my choices but obviously i'm a little i'm slightly biased <laughs> all good awesome man sweet well well uh happy to hear and uh i'll i'll be talking to this after we get through the news but uh i'm i'm, I'm finally i've got a miner on the way yes uh yeah i'll chat about that in a bit but uh yeah maybe i'll go slush that's soon to be brains right yes so, yeah. Um, so yeah, so the brains is a custom firmware, mm -hmm. um, that in my opinion, every time you plug it in S nine or in S nine and a minor in general, it, it ramps up for a while now, you know, it, it's just a little bit of hash rate, but my, my, you know, my thought process is imagine a thousand of those miners getting plugged in for that one second, two second. That's a, that's a lot of hash. You don't know where it's going because there's a factory pool already on the miner, right? And you mm -hmm. could change not you could change the pool, but you could also change the firmware on the miner because the factory firmware. You really gonna trust uh, Bitmain with that? Eh, what are they doing? <laughs> They've been known in the past to throttle your hash rate sometimes so that they end up being a slightly more competitive. So it's like, don't trust them. Install yeah. brains. It's 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 absolutely great. Anyways, uh, moving on to this, uh, Ben. This was a big deal. Um, it's kind of a lot in thread, but I I feel like it's very important. Stop me when you want to. <laughs> um, this is by Risen, and Risen was arrested for facilitating a peer-to-peer -peer Bitcoin transaction, right? And kind of and again on its own, it's not that big of a deal. You'd say, you know, bad luck. 
wrong place at the wrong time. Maybe he was caught in association. But what I want you guys to pay attention to is the precedents that are being sent. Set, uh, set. peer-to-peer transactions, arrested. An open source software developer, arrested, right? You know what I'm saying? Uh, Michael Saylor, Mike, uh, uh, MicroStrategy, sued, right? It, a lot of these things have only happened in the last two or three months. And because they're all happening at once, dude, That these are crazy coincidences, my friend. And mm-hmm. then this connects me with this um, with this passage from the sovereign individual, which I always refer back to. It says, since it will be obvious that information technologies facilitate the escape of sovereign individuals from the power of the state, the reaction to the collapse of compulsion will also include a neo-Luddite attack on these new technologies and those who use them. Right. And if you haven't read this book, you should, because holy crap, did they predict a lot of things? Anyways, it says, so, hey, I'm heading to uh, I'm, I'm going offline for an indeterminate amount of time. I'm heading down to Beaumont's FCI, where Uncle Sam will be footing the bill for my room and board for the next six to 15 months for the crime of selling Bitcoin a few years ago. You read that right. Did you know that it, that transacting Bitcoin peer to peer is a federal crime punishable with up to five years imprisonment? I didn't either. As interpreted by the FinCEN back in the middle of 2019, says you must register federally to do so. If you only sort kind of know me and you know, you, you may not know that I've been in crypto and Bitcoin space since 2011. One of the ways in which I've learned to network in the space is to put an, to put an ad on the OTC trading boards offering Bitcoin for sale. When I was a full-time journalist, it was a great way to learn Bitcoiners were at any point. When I moved towards consulting, it was great lead gen. When lead generation, when the pandemic hit, I sold my business in 2019. It was a great way to make ends meet while I found my next thing. I've always been just one of hundreds of thousands of OTC traders on websites like Paxful and local Bitcoins. One of the hundred or so site users regularly dealt with at the time, as it turns out, was being used as a mule in a lottery scam. On October 23rd, I was raided by 15 armed agents who waved guns and search warrants in the faces of my family and proceeded to question us for five to six hours and walked out with about $60,000 worth of property. After speaking transparently with agents, I thought this was going to be the end of it. But two months later, the agents returned with a target letter imploring me to come in and speak with the U.S. Attorney uh, Attorney office. I proceeded to engage in a reverse proffer proffer meeting and I was told that they had enough evidence, check this out Ben, to convict me of my client's frauds but because my wife shared a bank account with me, my wife as well. This would be 35 years imprisonment for both of us, right? And again, sovereign individual quote. Yeah. I think applies perfectly here. Ben, what are your thoughts on this, my friend? So, I mean, obviously the the precedent is is scary as fuck um so i i was kind of looking into this too and um like i i think and it got glossed over a little bit but um he he said that he briefly mentioned that he was a mule for like a, a some sort of like a, a money making scam or something like that. Um, but I think it was the volume because <laughs> you don't get a sense of it here. Um, and, and, and at least it 
don't get me wrong. I'm not at ease over this, but I'm a little bit more at ease than I would have been had I not read um, one of the things that said that he uh, he conducted 37 transactions um, between five totaling between 550,000 and $1.5 million of which was for that, uh, whatever that scam was going on. So it was like a fair amount of facilitation of, of whatever the money laundering shit was going on. And I mean, again, uh, I, I think a lot of it, I, I think it, it's bullshit in general. Like you, you should be able to freely transact with whom you please. Um, clear, I don't know how much this guy knew about, I think he was just, he was lucky enough to be early in Bitcoin. He had a lot of Bitcoin. It was easy to sell and and purchase and go back and forth and make, um, you know, a decent percentage on doing so. Um, but yeah, I mean, having this as a precedent, it makes it very easy if somebody doesn't like something that you're doing to go and be like, well, this guy went away for it. So we've now set that precedent. This is, how what happens to people who do that thing regardless of amount and yeah maybe then you're headed headed to have uncle sam foot the bill for your room and board for the next little bit so yeah not super promising but um i i think the volume and where the money ended up going was part of that but on peer-to-peer markets again to play devil's advocate to myself you don't know you don't know who you're dealing with that's kind of the point you're trying to get non-kyc bitcoin or provide it for anybody who wants bitcoin that doesn't want you know a, a list somewhere that can be hacked and obtained and paint a, a target on your back for anybody who sees how much bitcoin you have absolutely and i think and you're right ben like 1.5 million dollars that is a <laughs> that is that is a large transaction but i think one of the big questions that we have to ask right is remember how the anti-money laundering law was initially yes shown to the US public and it was passed right if you adjust for inflation $10,000 in 1970 so it's 70 grand today right so it's over time that they've slowly accustomed us to hey any amount over a certain thing is money laundering to the point that now the US Treasury last year requested that every 600 over any any transaction over $600 must be reported to the US government. Yeah, right. So it's like you give a little finger and they just continue to take and take and take and chisel away over time. And now we are in a moment in time where they're trying to float around the ideas of central bank digital currencies that will lead to absolute control uh, by yeah. governments, right? Look at what happened during the the protest, right? It's just yeah. a lot of things are just, you know, yeah. anyways so everybody can look forward to uh to their totalitarian state cbdc on ethereum and uh <laughs> and having everything i saw something actually i did a bit of a tangent but uh some binance is looking at implementing the uh what's it called the soul bound tokens which was like a spec by vitalik which is basically a non-transferable token that sticks with your particular in this case, ETH account, but BNB account. Um, and it basically is like, can be used as an implementation of like real world, like transactional history tied to a real world ID. 
So it's like all transactional history relates to your soul bound token. So stay tuned for that with your CPDC. <laughs> oh God. All right. So I know we're running out of ben, uh, time, Ben, but I'm going to go faster this. Let's do this one because I feel like it's important is uh, the Human Rights Foundation donates 325K to Bitcoin development total. Largest contribution, 100,000 goes to Bitcoin pay server. Two donations, 50,000 uh, each will uh, allocated to John Attic, John Kitman, their core developers. 25,000 go to Keith Mukai is further his work in Seed Signer. Hell yeah. Uh, Lean Cohen receives 25,000 grant for her work in developing a Bitcoin donation guide for nonprofits. RoboSats, an open source peer to peer lightning exchange, will also receive 25,000. Um, a, a Gazeta, an independent Russian news outlet focused on investigative reporting on Russian politics and society, will also receive 25,000. The Vietnam Initiative, a nonprofit Bitcoin research and development center, will receive 25,000. Human Rights Foundation has donated over 1.5 million us dollars in bitcoin and usd over the past two years to further bitcoin development it's it's like and and that's one of the downsides of open source right is that hey you you need grants right you need you need people contributing to your projects and i'm really happy that seed signer got a a donation because that's a great project yeah Oh, a hundred percent seed signer i was stoked to see seed signer but also robosats because that's like that's a younger project, but they've been knocking it out of the park too. So yeah, like congrats to everybody on that list, but uh, Seed Signer and, and RoboSats kind of stood out to me there, which is fantastic. Absolutely. Awesome, dude. Yeah. Um, well, dude, I I, I don't want to keep you too long, but I, I do appreciate everything that you brought to us here today. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's nice to end on a high note uh, in that, people are still building that's the key takeaway right there's all the noise but here's the signal people are still building incredible shit and supporting people that are building incredible shit um so anybody watching the you know if you want to contribute to projects there's some excellent ones there but uh you know support support your local dev <laughs> i think yeah. it's important Dude, thank you so much for being here. Um, and everybody, make sure you go subscribe to uh, Simply Bitcoin so you can get your your dose of uh, Bitcoin news six days a week. It's important. <laughs> Always an honor to be on the legendary BTC Sessions YouTube channel. This is your Simply Sessions. Awesome. Thanks, man. I'll see you soon. All right, uh, everybody. How you doing? How do you like that little update? I love... I love when Nico comes and fills us all in. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to fill you in with a few last things here. I've got a couple things to share with you. Um, I asked you guys your favorite piece of Bitcoin related content this week. Um, and I heard you loud and clear Tomer Strolite with a new article on medium called the legendary treasure of Satoshi Nakamoto. Tomer um, is just an excellent writer and thinker in the space. He's been on the show many times before and uh, yeah, I love him. So definitely worth a read here. And he's got a great book. Um, Why Bitcoin? Uh, it's like a coffee table book and it's just the art in it is beautiful. So make sure you check it out. Um, Tomer Strolite, the legendary treasure of Satoshi Nakamoto. You can find it on 
Uh, if you search that, Google it or go to his Medium page. Uh, we were just talking about uh, grants for Seed Signer and RoboSats. Just a reminder, if you haven't checked out Seed Signer, I do have a full tutorial on it. Um, and you can go check that out. Build one yourself. It's fun. It's a great le learning tool. Amazing tool to be able to manipulate uh, private keys and create multi-sig quorums, all kinds of crazy stuff. I do also have a tutorial on RoboSats you can go and check out as well if you're curious about peer-to-peer -peer Bitcoin. Um, also, RoboSats has been added as an app within Umbral. So if you're running an Umbral node, you can download that app and, and do it directly from uh, your dashboard there. A um, couple of things I'm playing around with. LN Bits, they officially added, uh, and I've done a video on LN Bits, but it's basically a whole bunch of tools for a Lightning Network that you can play with. Um, they do have a native uh, app for that inside Umbral as well. Uh, but you can do NFC stuff now. They added an NFC tool so you can make bolt cards. So I covered the bolt card from Coin Corner, basically like a tap and pay debit Lightning card. Um, and... The thing with that is it would come from a Coin Corner account if you were using it as an actual tap and pay debit card. Well, now you can program one yourself with LN Bits and just allocate funds to it and then go tap and pay wherever you want that accepts Lightning. So really, really cool. Really, really cool. Um, what else have I got on the docket here? Uh, I tweeted out earlier. Uh, I was asking about Alberta cattle ranchers um, that would be willing to sell Bitcoin uh, sell beef for Bitcoin. May have found one. Um, and that put me in contact with the beef initiative. Um, and they're, uh, putting together a ton of different cattle farmers in and around North America, primarily in the States right now, but, uh, maybe we'll have some new members up here in Alberta and, uh, around Canada. If you happen to be an Alberta cattle rancher or anywhere in Canada, uh, I would recommend you reach out to the beef initiative. Uh, if you're looking to stack some sats and sell some beef could be a good option. Um, I'm, I'm very interested lately in building that kind of circular economy. I'm trying to find people in and around Alberta where I live, um, where I can start buying, you know, groceries and, and, you know, poultry and eggs and things like that for Bitcoin. Uh, so, if you know people like that in the area, um, then please do let me know. But also, if you're looking to kind of step out of the state apparatus and become a little bit more sovereign, I encourage you to do the same. Look around. Look around for local people that are willing to transact in Bitcoin. Um, I think this is... It's less LARPy than it used to be. Back in, uh, back in 2014, 2015, everybody's talking about merchant adoption, but they didn't really give a shit. They just, it was like a marketing shtick. Um, oh, we'll accept Bitcoin, but really they're just using BitPay and dumping it for dollars immediately upon checkout. Um, I'm more interested in stuff like this, people who want to receive Bitcoin for their products. Um, so yeah. That's, that's kind of my current line of thought right now. Uh, I alluded to it when I was talking to Nico. I've got a miner coming. Uh, I, uh, I've been dealing with the guys over at Upstream Data, Steve Barber and Adam over there. Uh, so I've got a uh, What's Miner M30S Plus on the way. 100, 100 terahash, uh, I think. And so I've got that and I've got a black box coming. So I'm going to be getting those up. Uh, my 
father-in-law is an electrician. He's going to help me get the correct voltage going to that thing. Um, so that'll be my project kind of through the fall here. Uh, I'm going to get playing around whenever they arrive. Uh, could be could be a few weeks before I, I get my hands on anything here. But I'm very excited nonetheless. Very excited to start playing around. And, uh, and finally, last thing, tomorrow we've got... Uh, a stacked panel. Very excited. We've got Nathan Fast. Uh, he is working with Swan um, down and, and he's working on the Pacific Bitcoin uh, conference coming up. So he's going to be on. We've got Obi uh, and he's doing a ton of stuff in and around Fediments and Fetty right now. Uh, and then we've got John uh, Stephanopoulos and he's with uh, Futurebit, which is like uh, mini miners that you can just plug into the wall in your home that basically emit no sound really awesome so anyways uh be sure to check it out tomorrow 6 p.m eastern time very excited to have them all on uh with that of course please do like subscribe share all those things super super important they do help get more eyeballs in the room uh all of you that have been sharing around the show leaving boosts, all those types of things. Thank you guys so much. If you want to help the show in another way, you can hit up the sponsors mentioned. They're all down below. CoinKite, ShakePay, Leaden, BitRefill, BillFoddle. They're all down here. And if you really liked what you saw, you can always drop me a tip at my strike page, strike.me slash BTC sessions. Get there, type in any amount you want, hit the tip button. You'll be greeted with a lightning invoice. Or if you tap the arrow to the right, a regular Bitcoin QR code. With that, I'm out. Have yourselves a wonderful day or evening. I'll see you guys next time for your daily session. Hold all the Bitcoin.